Welcome back to Incremental. This is our practice edition where we discuss improvements made this week and tie them back to lean principles. I am Uriel Eisen. And I am Devin Bedoni. You got a quote? Do or do not. There is no try. Yoda. (laughs) (laughs) Our good pal Yoda. Um, Yeah, I mean, kind of funny, but I think the point here is you have to make improvements. (laughs) Even if they're not perfect, I mean, the name of this podcast is incremental because that is kind of the approach that seems to work as people who are out there doing things Mm -hmm. instead of thinking about doing things tend to have done more things. (laughs) (laughs) So thinking about doing things is all is all fun and well, but it doesn't get you very far. Yeah. 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 Like reading all these books is very exciting, but even more exciting is seeing things happen in the shop right going like oh wow that legitimately works and saves us time and yeah also these books do put me to sleep (laughs) (laughs) not that exciting yeah very interesting not exciting uh they get me pretty amped up sometimes (laughs) um anyway uh yeah i was away for um eight days which i feel like is an improvement in and of itself um well that's is that an improvement i think that's a uh lifestyle improvement but also validation (laughs) that the improvements uh, are are working i think that's a product of your improvements yeah yeah i was away for eight days and the we kept shipping orders and i walked back in and the mill was running so big win (laughs) huge win um yeah, but we don't. I don't have a ton of improvements here. Um, and we were working while I was away. We sort of lined up a big improvement, so that took most of the time, mm. which is a conversation in and of itself. Which is like, and we've talked about this before. I don't really know how to think about those big improvements. Like, there's this idea of like do an hour a day of improvements. Yeah, but somehow it starts to feel like is shopping for a new machine improving the capabilities of your shop it is kind of on the other hand it's yeah maybe it depends how you go about arriving at the decision maybe that's it maybe it's sort of like if you approach it sort of analytically and through systems thinking mm-hmm. about where your bottlenecks are right where your inefficiencies are for your whole system and then you're working on addressing that yeah then i guess it does count if you're just i don't know so we built a loft which in saying that i don't think we approached that super analytically but i think it was absolutely a good call so Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah i've been having a similar issue where i sort of like feel like we've stalled a little bit on improvements Mm -hmm. But I think part of it is that we're focusing on some bigger stuff and actually put this in a question in, in our notes here is like, it can be hard to distinguish whether like small improvements are, are worthwhile or if you're just kind of like being like, I'm making improvements, you know? (laughs) Totally. And so like we have this like list of stuff on our board and I'm just finding like, (laughs) there's a bunch of things that none of us are really prioritizing because I think you know, we're kind of like, yeah, that'll be nice right now. There's like, there's, there's bigger fish to fry. Yeah. Um, but it can feel like we're stalled a little bit. Yeah. I, I think and we had this conversation a little bit yesterday, but I wonder about the, how like lean Toyota production system theory of constraints 
all of them feel very much i mean they're written by and for big businesses mm-hmm. they are absolutely applicable to small businesses mm-hmm. but there is sort of a question mark in my mind around like is this the best system for small business mm-hmm. and i think um like so I, I bring that up because i think making all those small improvements does two really important things that a lot of people don't kind of discuss mm-hmm. which is training people to notice and as a company emphasizing a priority on stopping your work to make those improvements yeah and i think that that is a huge mindset shift for people to mm-hmm. say to yeah. your employees like hey i want you every single day in all of your work to be really noticing a ton of little issues we have. Yeah. And so I think it's really critical for that reason to continue with small improvements and to continue with people generating ideas for small improvements is as a cultural tool to get everyone thinking about their work very differently. Like you're not here to do your work. You're here to refine the system that results in the work in a funny way. Yeah. So I think that's key. But as a small company, it's very much it's much easier to to work on to to have a good culture, I think. I mean, mm-hmm. not to say it's no work, but yeah. Yeah, when there's 3 of you, it's a little simpler to, yeah. to keep it kind of the ship steered in the right direction. Yeah. And um I do also think like uh, does this math work out? If you have a huge workforce, having a lot of people doing small improvements results in a lot of improvement. And if you have a small workforce, like kind of, I don't know, your like relative, your relative gains versus the losses in production and other stuff, like maybe I'm wrong here, but sometimes it kind of feels like maybe it's just like the workforce, like the level of strappedness in a small business often um, you're like you're pulling more resources away from critical things sometimes. Well, that, that's the other thing. I think on a small team, everyone is exposed to all level of problems. Whereas if you had a right a big facility and one person's job is, I mean, I'm making this up, but like putting a dab of glue somewhere very particular, yeah, and that's their whole job. It would be odd to ask them to work on like I don't know something like something much bigger like how do we standardize our tooling (laughs) right it's more like hey this is your space make sure it's clean make sure it's efficient make sure it's yeah optimized for your work yeah and i think maybe that's kind of part of it Mm -hmm. and then lastly i think as a small business that's evolving and trying to find product market fit or trying to find a new um a new market to serve, trying to find new customers, all all with one smallish group of people who are doing a lot of different things. I think it can feel a little weird to like, I don't know, oil the hinges on your door because they squeak. Yeah. When <laughs> it's like, we don't really have enough work or I think we could have a lot more work if we went into this market. Let me sort of work on that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's like a moving target a little bit. It's kind of like oiling the hinges on your door that squeak and there's only one wall on your house. Right. Well, I can get through this wall like so smooth now, but I'm still cold. (laughs) 
Yeah, no like, right. Like optimizing. It's sort of like in last episode, we talked about mechanization being the last step of SMED mm -hmm. because you don't want to make something efficient that might change. Yeah. Or you don't want to, sorry, you don't want to invest a lot of money and time yeah. in making something efficient that might change. And I think maybe that's it is like, there's so much change in our businesses mm -hmm. um, that it sort of applies to a lot of things. And I find myself stalling on making improvements because I'm like, okay, yeah, I can improve this oven, but soon we're going to replace the whole oven and our <laughs> whole way of make, doing paint. So like how much effort do I want to put in now? Yeah. I don't know. And maybe I'm wrong about how I'm thinking about that. You know, write in. Send us a message on Instagram. Yeah. Tell us. Incremental CI. Tell us we're right. Ho hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> or not. I Probably mean, tell us we're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Usually. Anyway, I do have a couple improvements here, but. Yeah. Um, maybe we should go through some of them. Sure. Um, I can jump off. I So, as I mentioned, we got several more of the vices that I like, the shunk ones. Yeah. Um, and we started using our new trunnions that we built. Um, so we have one machine with the pneumatic vices on it. And then the other two machines have the manual vices. Okay. For the moment, the, of the mills. Um, and so I made cam templates for both the manual and pneumatic vice workflows. Very cool. With all of the new kind of like possible origin like work origin orientation permutations okay pre preset in there so i can just kind of like pick based on like i know that i'm using the center of rotation to program this operation and i'm clamping in this direction so i'm going to pick that origin and it like aligns it uh -huh. itself or it's pre-aligned basically yeah and then i can just name stuff and it's pre-loaded with stock that i just adjust adjust the size and wow um that's been great. <laughs> it's been so good. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, you know, the programming itself, especially with some of the parts we get is still kind of a hassle mm -hmm. or time consuming. Hassle is not the right word. Uh, but that cuts a lot of the workout. It's kind it's one of those things where it's like, I've known for years <laughs> that I need to do this. That's awesome. And it's still, how, how did I wait so long? Interesting. Yeah. And do, I remember you were working on a post, a custom post. Still, Is that still in process? Okay. Um, so you don't have your rotary offsets. Rotary fixture offsets are not in place yet. That will allow us to, I think, zero down to four possible offset permutations instead, instead of, of. Instead of right now, I think it's eight. Gotcha. Basically, for our first op, regardless of whether it's a rotary operation or not, we'll use the top of the stock for Z and, hmm. and the center of the stock for X and Y. Right now, if it's a rotary operation and we're going from center line, we'll use center line for Y and Z and the center of the stock for X. Okay. Um, but that requires, obviously, a different workflow for three axis versus four axis parts. So if we go to the rotary fixture offset system and we're always probing the top of the stock for op one, gotcha. It's always the same, regardless of how we, regardless of how I, we're I processing, the right? Part. Like right. the setup's the same. Interesting. So that should be cool. And we might still like drive the probe based on center line. Cause yeah. that's kind of a constant. Um, we'll see. Interesting. Yeah. 
That remains to be seen. Huh. I can see your wheels turning. I, yeah, I'm not understanding in particular. Um, the I'm not understanding why you need to to probe. Why can't you always pretend to do it off of center line? Um, well, I mean, we do it off of center line now, but I don't want to continue to do it off of center line because it doesn't allow you to edit and update things easily. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, cool. Or, or move things, I guess. Adjust things if needed. Right. Um, so our big improvement that we've been working on is, uh, we finished out the loft, still need to put stairs in, um, but we have, it's insulated and sheetrocked, so that's sort of been mm. this past week while I was away. Oh, um, cool. I mean, we built it the previous week, Yeah. so I built the last section of it, um, a lot more space, which is going to be really nice to increase all of our transportation times. That's been our focus. <laughs> no, um, no, that's sort of, I, I've sort of been wondering about that compared to what it allows you to do, which is something we've both been yeah. chewing on a bit is sort of like space. What it allows you to do. Yeah. Like yeah. bigger space is great for certain reasons, but then also it means you're likely moving further for everything, mm-hmm. which is worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to keep everything super condensed and small is actually should be a goal always. Yep. But also making it too small, <laughs> you're really, I think, ending up wasting human potential is my guess. Yeah, or compromising flow often. Right. So you can't arrange you can, things properly. Yeah. Sometimes you're like, it's small. We're not moving far. But you're like, well, you actually just walked like 40 feet in a squiggle. <laughs> Right. You only went 10 feet as the crow flies, but <laughs> right. squiggles don't help. Yeah. So I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, that's a good point. Because if we had more square footage on one floor, we wouldn't need a loft. And then we wouldn't have to go up and down the stairs. Yeah. So. It's <laughs> fairly obvious. Yeah. Yeah. But not an option at the moment. Not an option. Well, well yeah. Be. Yeah. So that was a big one. Um, the lighting's up. We need to do a little painting, but um, it's pretty good. And so this is going to be used for a second assembly station. Is that correct? Are you moving all your assembly up there? We're trying to figure all that out. I yeah. think the thought is to sort of have the downstairs be all machining mm. and put another mill down there potentially mm. or potentially move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we will see. Or put everything. That was the original idea is put a second mill downstairs and then move everything uh, downstream of machining upstairs. Uh. So then it would go paint, assembly, shipping station, all upstairs. Um, and that's a little, <clears throat> little dumb waiter or something to just take your stuff, your pieces. Yeah, up right now I am the dumb waiter, <laughs> yeah. um, which is pretty dumb. <laughs> um, the yeah. Yeah, we definitely need to work on that because there's often situations where you realize you've left something downstairs. Yeah. Which is not a unique situation because of stairs, right? Mm-hmm. Anytime you're walking across and then you realize, oh, I forgot to bring X and I have to walk back. So there's just some work to be done there. It would be really nice, I think, to have sort of a dumb waiter of some type where, like I was even thinking of putting our gas out oven on a lift huh. so that when you're downstairs, you can always access it to load it. And when you're upstairs, if oh. you, you can always just bring it up to unload it. Mm. Um, and that would sort of be the handoff. Huh. 
or something where like your natural place of setting a thing down can be accessed from both upstairs and downstairs. So there aren't situations where you're like, Oh, I forgot to put it onto the dumb waiter, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, so I'm thinking around that. Interesting. You'd need two gas out ovens. One that was so that one could always be down. And yeah. One could always be up. Yeah. I've been th- <laughs> going back to the SMED thing. And uh-huh. like, um, we live in a tiny house and we don't have a washing machine in our house. It's like okay. in the shop building that's about hundred feet away or something. Yeah. And we have one laundry basket. Ooh. <laughs> and I keep being like, we just need a second laundry basket. So one can be out there doing its thing. Yeah. The other one can be filling and then we swap and still haven't done it. But every day or not every day, <laughs> every time I move the laundry, I'm like, Oh, I've seen, um, they make those like sack stands, Almost mm. for like, I feel like they're used in mail and stuff. Yeah. I wonder like if something a like wire that. rack that you put a bag in. Yeah. I wonder if something like that would work so that the excess containers don't take up space oh. when not in use or something. Maybe. I guess they stack. Our, uh, our laundry basket, quote unquote, is actually just like a husky bin. Nice. So those stack pretty well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we can make that work. Um, so we. It's a funny thing. We have a surface grinder. The only thing we really use it for is for grinding flats on our end mills for okay. use in side lock holders. Yep. I used to buy end mills with flats ground, but I found there, for whatever reason, with the stubby side locks, like often where the flat was was not where I wanted the end mill to land. Okay. So I've been grinding our own. It's it's not it's very fast, but um, I've been the only one who did it and so finally the other day kind of followed your advice and had ariel <clears throat> shadow me and take photos and notes in oh, our nice. in our sop tab in Airtable. very cool as i was doing it so now theoretically everyone can do it and it's standardized based on like you know how much you feed down how many or what your increment feeds are and how far down you go and for this particular three eighths that we use for all like pretty much every aluminum part that we make mm-hmm. where it lands on the shank and all that kind of stuff. And it was, yeah, it took five minutes and that's awesome. Like, God, I need to do more of that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <clears throat> we had a conversation a little while ago about sort of creating SOPs and creating videos. Yeah. And I had mentioned that the way we've been doing it is when I'm training Sam or someone else to just have them hold a video camera. Yeah you did it with photos and notes instead. But I think either way, it sort of lets you, yeah, it's a pretty low effort way of doing it because you're doing the training anyway. And so it only adds a few extra minutes to the whole process. I haven't looked into whether you can like natively make a video in Airtable. Okay. Like it's app is really good on a phone to just like take photos right out of the app as an attachment. Nice. Um, so that's like very straightforward and we use that all the time for setup photos and stuff. Um, actually uh, for setup photos, we use a webcam, but it's the same kind it's very streamlined. Yeah. But I haven't been able to figure out if it'll do a video Uh natively. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we could attach it. It's just an extra step. And yeah, I think another cool tool for this and, uh, it is Google Slides, which mm-hmm. I think you're not going to use because it's all in Airtable. But yeah. um, that, that's been an interesting one because it's really designed for two really cool things about it. One, it holds all sorts of different format stuff. Mm-hmm. 
it is optimized for big images and a small amount of text, which is really what you aim for with an SOP. Mm-hmm. You can add notes and stuff. So if someone needs more info, you can bury it in the notes where it's yeah. not like front and center. And you can print them and tell it how many slides you want it to print per page, which is oh. also pretty cool. If you want to have physical SOPs hanging at the stations. Interesting. Um, yeah. Or you can pay for tools that do less. Right. <laughs> yeah, we're pretty committed to Airtable at this point. So I kind of want to use yeah, as yeah, much no. as I can out of it. I was more mentioning it for other other yeah. folks out there. Yeah, one cool thing that Airtable does is it has a pre-built QR code maker like widget. Ooh, that is super nice. For all the stuff internally. Yeah. Um, Interesting. So we haven't even really started to use that yet, but that's in the back of my mind of like, if it becomes time, like it's going to be very straightforward to like QR code right to the correct SOP. And that's awesome. It yeah. It should be pretty neat. Yeah. And I think if you build this into your ongoing operations, not you one yeah. uh, builds this into uh, sort of daily operations. It's very cool when you go to onboard someone, just how much, friction is reduced and how much quicker they can add value mm-hmm. when you have really clear systems, when you have SOPs um, and training videos that they can watch. And then sure, maybe they're coming to you with a couple questions, but they have a pretty good basis for what it is. Or also they, people can have refreshers and, yeah. and if you build this into your organization as a habit, you don't end up with situations where like someone's off on vacation and they're the only person who ever learned how to do X, Y, or Z. Yeah. And suddenly your whole business grinds to a stop. Yeah. (laughs) So like that's on my list is, uh, is one of our guys is doing payroll and I don't actually know how to do payroll. And I'm kind of like, yeah, I should, I should know how to do (laughs) like what, you know, right. Not for any reason of control, more for just like logistically, if he's on vacation and doesn't have access to the internet, yeah. And people want their money. <laughs> yep. Turns out that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. So um, another improvement, we have these little toaster ovens that we use for a lot of different applications. Um, like toast. Like toast. <laughs> um, <laughs> now we use them to dry parts. We use them to uh, gas out parts. Um, I guess that's the only two right now. I mean, isn't that what you use to bake your paint too? No. For that, we use a... Uh, Home Depot smoker. Ah, that's right. That we added a blower to. Right. Um, on the display, you have your time, like how long it's going to bake for, and then below it, your temperature. Right below that are two knobs. You'd expect the top <laughs> knob to correspond to the top item on the screen. For whatever reason, they did not uh, do that. <laughs> and so it's so easy. Like I've, we've been running these things for so long, but you walk up to it and it's like so easy to just grab the wrong knob. Um, and so for a while we've been thinking about like, do we take it apart and like resolder the knobs <laughs> yesterday? I just like grabbed some e-tape and just put like a color, just color coded it. Uh, and so that was the improvement. Like you put a color for the temp and the and match the color and like wrapped the knob in that color tape. Mm. Yeah. So we'll see if that, uh, works. we'll see if that works. I don't like my hope would be that it will just be like habitual, not habitual. What's the word? Like, uh, 
just automatic instinctual yeah where like that's the one you reach for rather than going like oh right no i need to reach for like what's the color is this a thing that you adjust often um or is it like a timer like unfortunately it it resets to it's like factory Ah. um the setting doesn't and the temperature doesn't but the time does when Mm. the time when it's over so you're constantly adjusting the time but if you grab the wrong knob, you've now adjusted the temperature instead. Gotcha. Um, and then if the power goes out, which is a whole different conversation, <laughs> it resets completely back to its preferred toasting settings. Um, yeah. Is it European or American toast settings? <laughs> yeah. That's a good question. Interesting. So we got our new um, Trunions up and running. And first part we were trying out got a little too aggressive and threw apart and then we kept running we were proofing and something was just super weird on one of the operations like cleaning up on one side on a indexing move and then the other side not Ooh, we were looking yeah. at it i was like thinking the programming was off somehow and finally i was like this has to be like a kinematic thing okay so we got out the dial indicator and the thing had moved quite a lot wow uh like 18 thou in one direction the trunnion the trunnion end support so basically the the far end pivot wow uh the plate because it's and looking at the design i kind of like knew this was a potential issue um it's just uh basically like a a lap joint with two bolts holding it in place and it shifted and it shifted so we dialed everything back in and then in place drilled and reamed and added some dowel pins Gotcha. to keep it from moving. Yeah. Um, I was a little hesitant to do that right off the bat cause I didn't, <laughs> you know, you gotta get it right <laughs> yeah. at that point. Um, but hopefully that will hold up. Otherwise they've been good. We've been, you know, we haven't really been, uh, taking it easy on them at uh-huh. all. We're doing some pretty aggressive milling. And so far, everything seems to be working out well. So that's cool. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, that reminds me, I, I was listening to a book on the Skunk Works. Uh-huh. Um, it's called Skunk Works. <laughs> uh, but I've the guy who's... where that name came from, by the way. Yeah, Lockheed Martin Skunk Works. I know, but why oh, skunk? Uh, why? It was... Skonkworks was some popular comic uh comic at the time uh there was some still and it and the guy just like cooked all sorts of weird things in the still and it stunk and he called it his skonkworks this was the comic the comic and then the skonkworks was originally in like a circus tent in a parking lot next to a plastics factory (laughs) which stunk and so they started (laughs) calling it skonkworks and then the uh, the guy who published the comic, the comic got mad at them, and so they changed it to Skunkworks. That's hilarious. Um, it's such a ubiquitous like concept at this yeah, point. Yeah, now like, it's all, like every single time I've heard it since I was a little kid, I've been like, like why? Yeah. Why? So that's the origin story. But the guy who started it, I'm forgetting his full name, but something Kelly, um, was famous for just having like ridiculously good intuition about 
all sorts of things like that a list of comments he'd make like well i'd guess the skin temperature at this this airspeed like this the temperature of the skin of the aircraft uh, i would guess will be around like 650 degrees and then they'd like do a day of calculation guess like and find it to be like 630 degrees <laughs> like just like ridiculous stuff but one of the th- comments he made was about uh airframe and just he said like you know i think this is going to be x psi in the airframe and then they calculated and it was, you know he was off by like three percent or something well but uh just thinking about structures in psi instead of like as you move through the cross section of mm. a structure, like what is the pressure, and yeah. right? And then looking at, I think a really fun example that I've always noticed is um, construction equipment, like big hydraulic equipment, like cranes and stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, excavators. Um, you see, as the members come close to a pivot point, you have a huge reduction in area, yeah, in cross sectional area, and so you see all these like reinforcing panels mm-hmm. welded to the face of the plates mm-hmm. which is always anyway so just like thinking about structures in psi instead of however we are yeah. i think otherwise you sort of go like intuitively vague, like like oh we should probably reinforce that yeah. not like oh the cross section or like the friction is not enough for uh-huh i don't know i just thought that was a clever yeah it's interesting to try and again like kind of sort of taking smed stuff, taking things away from like feel and intuition and be like, let's maybe not do, well, I mean, maybe do the calculations, but even if you're not doing the calculations, at least like boil down to the core principles of like what's actually happening here. Yeah. Um, I, I'm started to sort of compile a bit of a design book for buckles mm. because I'm finding, you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's a weird area and there's a lot of things that I've gotten wrong and then had to correct. And yeah. so I feel like if I could eliminate getting them wrong on future <laughs> buckles, that would save me time. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. But one of them is reaction forces, primary That's, and yeah. secondary just, and maybe yeah. tertiary. <laughs> That's a big one. It's like easy yeah. to be like, this is the force on it and not like, okay, what are like some reactionary forces Yeah, and in which direction in what directions are they all acting? And yeah, it was funny when I was first doing kind of like uh, full suspension bike design stuff. Yeah. It's kind of bouncing ideas off a friend who was an aerospace engineer, you know, I'd be like, I think it's going to do this. And he's like, well, let's look at how it reacts. And I'd be like, Oh, well that's smart. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Oh uh, yeah, I guess that makes a lot of sense. And that's why this works <laughs> or that's why this doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting occasionally, like you'll see, see people kind of like intuit it into it things very incorrectly because we don't actually fully understand some of those like kinematic structures and yeah. and how forces react through kinematic structures and joints and stuff and things that seem very conceptual or very uh, intuitive sometimes are just like way off yeah and sometimes yeah. they're really correct yeah uh and yeah you have to boil it back down to those actual like engineering principles sometimes to get any kind of a reasonable result yeah, uh, we had an issue of a moving dropout on this bikepacking trip, uh. and there was a tug nut on one side, on the drive side, uh-huh. but when you hit the brakes really hard, mm. on the other side, you have quite a reaction force, mm-hmm. um, so 
of course a tug nut doesn't really help because it's the opposite direction just because of where the rotor where the caliper is relative to the uh axle um it's actually not to do with that this is one of the interesting oh things. <laughs> see great great yeah you're reacting a force between the ground and the axle and your mass so where the rotor is placed doesn't really have anything to do with it what what if you clamp down on the rotor such that the pads are your new pivot point because at some point if the friction of the axle in the dropout is less than the friction of the pads on the rotor becomes your new pivot point maybe i think it's still effectively an issue of like the forces between the yeah this is a discussion for another time probably but <laughs> the wheel is you know the wheel is contacting the ground and yeah. trying to stop and then and so the, it's pulling back yeah and then the axle is trying to move with your body yes yeah are we saying i think we're thing? saying that, yeah okay, cool um, <laughs> cool um anyway that is but does it for me we didn't have a ton of time yeah. in the shop and because yeah. we're stalled apparently <laughs> well yeah i was on vacation and you're not stalled i'm stalled um, i mean i'm probably stalled too <laughs> gotta get back to it anyway thanks so much for listening um you can find me at austere underscore manufacturing on instagram you can find me at lichen underscore mfg on instagram and the podcast is at incremental ci also on instagram and we love all the messages and the tags uh till next week see you soon